Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Welcome to what we hope will one day be a must-see for locals and visitors to our great city. The National Museum of Broadcasting. It'll tell the continuing and extraordinary story of electronic mass media and the people who made it happen. Birth of broadcasting and electronic media could have happened anywhere, but in fact, it happened right here, just down the street from where we all sit right now. It was at that site that technology and capital fused at the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company in a shack on the rooftop of one of the buildings for all other electronic media to come, FM, broadcast TV, cable TV, satellite TV, and radio, the web, social media, and streaming. The board of directors of the National Museum of Broadcasting and I would like to say KDKA was the the big bang of electronic media. And what happened here in 1920 marked the transition from the industrial age to the electronic age. Our museum will be more than a bunch of dusty old TVs and radios. Although we have plenty of them, it'll be an experience. It'll show how electronic media began and evolved in immersive and interactive ways. Our purpose today is to tell you about what our plans are and how we got here. We're here to rededicate an historic marker commemorating that first broadcast and generate interest in our work so that we can kick off a fundraising effort to help us move our vision forward. We're on location today in East Pittsburgh, PA, where a historical marker is about to be rededicated. This marker commemorates the very first radio broadcast by KDKA in Pittsburgh back in 1920. Now, that is widely accepted as the start of commercial radio broadcasting. The marker has been moved here through the efforts of a Pittsburgh nonprofit group, the National Museum of Broadcasting, which has now been working for more than 20 years to erect a permanent memorial to the city's radio history. I'm uh, Ron Klink, former anchor at uh, KDKA-TV in Pittsburgh and former uh, United States congressman, and uh, I've been uh, working with the National uh, Broadcast Museum folks for about 20 years. Uh, Bill Hillgrove and Rick Harris asked me to become involved, and I've been trying to do as much as I can to make this a, a reality. Why Pittsburgh for a National Museum of Broadcasting and not New York, Chicago, Los Angeles? Well, it began here. Uh, radio, the first licensed radio station, was KDKA. Uh, it, it came out of the the uh, work of people who worked for George Westinghouse, uh, Nikola Tesla, who worked with Westinghouse to create uh, the uh, AC current, uh, which uh, we use today. Anybody's familiar with current wars know that you had Westinghouse on one side and Edison on the other, and and thank goodness that Westinghouse won, or we'd all have power stations uh, within a mile or two of our house today. It would just would it wouldn't be workable. So, but but all of the things, all of the component parts that uh, went into making. Radio Radio were invented by Nikolai Tesla, who worked here for Westinghouse. And uh, Frank Conrad built the first station in the Conrad garage, which we, uh, it's torn down, but we have man-
manage to preserve and hope to, to re-dedicate uh, and rebuild this location in East Pittsburgh. We, we should mention we are in East Pittsburgh. We're across the street from Keystone Commons, which is the former Westinghouse Electric plant, home plant, I guess it was, back in the day. Yeah, this is where it all began. And, and, and you know, George Westinghouse did so many things. He, you know, he, he, he drilled for natural gas and, and, uh, and was the first person to distribute natural gas to the homes on what was called Millionaire Row out in, uh, in East Liberty and, and those areas. And of Pittsburgh, uh, we uh, uh, also know that uh, he developed the Westinghouse Air Brake, which is a way for braking trains. And just one industry after another, he was so proficient. But uh, the the broadcasting, which began here with KDKA, and the first license that was issued was actually issued by the United States Navy. There was no FCC because there had been no radio station. There had been no radio stations. You didn't need an FCC. Right, right. And so, therefore, the letter K uh, was the letters that they used for radio that was granted by um, the uh, United States Navy, and that's where that came from. Later on, uh, we had uh, KQV and KDKA and KYW in Philadelphia, but all the other K stations are on the other side of the Mississippi, and all the stations uh, east of the Mississippi, other than the three that I mentioned, have uh, had W's in front of them. But it, it all began here, and we don't want to forget about it. And, you know, if it wasn't for radio, there wouldn't be TV, there wouldn't be Internet, there wouldn't be satellite technology, there wouldn't be robotics, and all of these things came out of what was established here in East Pittsburgh uh, and uh, Wilkinsburg area back in the early 1900s. Ron Klink, uh, we're talking to right now. There is an unveiling of the historical marker for uh, the birthplace of broadcasting. Ron mentioned was uh, Frank Conrad's garage in Wilkinsburg, which is no longer there now. What is there now? It's uh, Wendy's. It's a place where, <laughs> you know, the old song, Tear Down Paradise and Build a Parking Lot? Yeah, well, they, they, they actually were the parking lot of Wendy's is, uh, as you go from Wilkinsburg into Pittsburgh or vice versa. Uh, that parking lot is where the Frank Conrad garage was, but uh, a lot of very stalwart people, many of whom are not with us anymore, they passed away and in there. I was thinking Bill Brandt, uh, I think uh, Alice Sapiens and Donnelly, there were yes. a little bunch of uh, yeah. folks. So uh, future generations now have had to step in and when, as you could tell by my gray hair, uh, we're, we're hoping that we get uh, younger and, and more energetic people to, to, to pick up this banner and build this museum. It's going to take millions of dollars to put this in place, but uh, you know they, the, the reality is that Pittsburgh had as much of a claim on a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as Cleveland did, yet Cleveland had people that got behind it and, and made it happen, because Latrobe, Pennsylvania had the very first pro football team. They were offered the Pro, pro football, football Hall of Fame. Money people in Pittsburgh were not interested, and it has become huge for Canton, Ohio. We do not want this. You couldn't, you couldn't invent this. If it hadn't happened here, we would not have a claim on it. But then, you know, there are other museums out there that are radio, TV museums. This museum will talk about the technology of radio from what it began with back in the early 1900s to what it is today, as you mentioned, on your telephone or other uh, communications. Everything we, And we're going to remain, hopefully, Pittsburgh is going to remain uh, a center of that technology as we launch into the future as well as the past. We're talking with Ron Klink. He's one of the board members for the National Museum of Broadcasting. We are here on November 2nd. What is the uh, significance in broadcasting history of November 2nd? Well, this is the anniversary, the 103rd anniversary of the very first uh, broadcast on what was 
and uh, the first licensed radio station, KDKA in Pittsburgh. They did the Harding-Cox election results, November 2nd of 1920. So this is the 103rd anniversary. We did a broadcast uh, with the help of, uh, of all things, uh, YouTube, uh, Duquesne University's YouTube channel. And Duquesne University helped us uh, put that together in the midst of COVID back in the, uh, in the year 2020. Um, and uh, we had a lot of politicians that showed up. And we, so we did a broadcast for the, for the century mark, but we wanted to do this rededication and uh, also give people a glimpse of where we believe uh, is going to be home to the National Museum of Broadcasting here in East Pittsburgh. Now that first KDKA transmitter then would have been across the street here from where, from where we're standing on the roof of a building that is no longer there on the roof of a skyscraper. The building, yeah, yeah. It, had to be, had, it was torn down uh, some years ago. And uh, yeah, so, so the idea too is to, to commemorate. Uh, there still are other buildings here that were significant, but we, we need to remember our history. And you know, what we'd like to do, there should be a component of this museum that also uh, works to, say, to train people for the careers in the new technologies that are being forged by what broadcasting has become. When did you get your start in radio, maybe, or in, in broadcasting? Maybe it should be my first question. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I probably about uh, 1953, at the age of two, going on three years old, <laughs> my grandparents had their, uh, they used to take the inside out of the television, okay. and the repairman would take it to his shop yeah. to fix it and then bring it back. I stepped in behind there, and I looked at it, and I, and my, my, I actually have a picture my grandmother took, and I said, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. I want to be on radio and TV. And I said that when I was two, three years old. People talk about AM radio is dead, or what they're now calling, I heard this the other day, linear television. I had never heard that before. That means broadcast over the air. It, it is not dead. It's, it, it, it is evolving. And that's, that's the key. Um, you know, I grew up in a, in a radio and TV business when it, we had the fairness doctrine, where you, you presented both sides of every issue and let people make up their own minds. The whole idea that radio and TV broadcasting on public airwaves is a public service to the people should never be lost. We are going to move forward into other technologies and we're going to be able to pick up things on all kinds of devices and that will continue but direct over-the-air broadcasting should always be there in case it's needed in times of emergency and sometimes it's just a great alternative. Since you left the House of Representatives what are you, do what, uh, are you doing now? Are you still in telecommunications then? Well, not so much. I, uh, you know, what happens to old uh, congressmen? They become lobbyists. So I, <laughs> sure. I uh, am with a law firm, Nelson Mullins, Riley, and Scarborough. Okay. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to work on a lot of issues across the board and continue to do that. And at 72 years of age, I'm still showing up every day to work. Good for you. I did not know you were. I'd, I'd been would have lost that if we were playing the guess your age game at uh, <laughs> Kennywood. I'd have lost that game. Ron Clink, former uh, KDKA TV news anchor, former U.S. representative, and uh, one of the board members here at the national. Museum of Broadcasting, which is hoping to finally get a foothold here in, in East Pittsburgh. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. On location today in East Pittsburgh at a kickoff event for a proposed National Museum of Broadcasting. This is an idea that was first proposed in the 1990s and which seems to be gaining momentum again. Coming up, we're going to hear from some of the organizers, including the voice of the Steelers and Pitt Panthers, Bill Hillgrove. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, and we'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families at White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. 
Bowls. Learn more at Strifflers.com or call 412-678-6191. This is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We're on location this week in East Pittsburgh, PA. At a fundraising kickoff event for a new National Museum of Broadcasting, you can learn more at nmbhit.org. For our listeners on 1550 AM, this voice needs no introduction, but tell everybody who you are anyways. Bill Hillgrove, uh, the voice of the University of Pittsburgh Panthers, football and basketball, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the president of the National Museum of Broadcasting. How did you get involved, first of all? My late mother-in-law, Alice Sapienza Donnelly, uh, an historian, she uh, decided that uh, the Conrad garage was worth saving when they wanted to tear it down, so she literally stood in front of the bulldozer and helped to save it. Uh, we preserved it. Uh, Rick Harris, of course, I call him our curator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has, out of his personal account, uh, paid a lot of money to have it stored, and um, we've got some help along the way, but certainly not near enough. And then uh, the National Museum of Broadcasting was born, and it's a vision that uh, my mother-in-law had, that Rick has always had, and uh, that I uh, somehow have inherited. And uh, we're just hoping to make it a reality. And it's closer now than it's ever been. We just need a push. I remember a bunch of false starts. There was a false start with the Westinghouse Recreation Lodge up in Forest Hills. There were, you know, there was the effort to keep. We were just talking with uh, Ron Klink about trying to keep the garage from being torn down. As you mentioned, your mother-in-law standing in front of it, and it's that part—it's now the parking lot of a Wendy's. Now, why has it taken so long to get to this point? That's a good question, but uh, it's not certainly because of effort and vision. I think uh, enough of us share that and realize that, uh, you know, the uh, explosion of media uh, started with uh, over-the-air broadcasting, and Frank Conrad was certainly a part of that. KDKA came into existence. And from that, uh, we have FM, TV, cable TV, streaming TV, uh, and that thing in your pocket, that cell phone, uh, is a uh, result of, uh, you know, all those technical developments. And uh, we decided that uh, Pittsburgh, having been the birth of this, uh, is the, the place to have a museum. You have been the voice in people's ears on the Panthers games, Steelers games, now on the Jazz Channel. Why is that connection so important? What, or what is it about that radio connection over a microphone that remains so important a hundred years later? I think radio is theater of the mind, uh, and it requires the listener to actively engage their brain to imagine some of the imagery that's being, uh, you know, processed and transferred. And, you know, you take one idea from somebody's mind and put it into somebody else's mind. Well, that's the essence of communication. And, of course, with radio, uh, it uh, uh, exploded during the 20s and 30s and 40s. And then, of course, television came around in the 50s. And uh, here we are, you know, we, we continually evolve. And uh, it's all about human communication. We, we seem to be going back, swinging back a little bit, I, podcasts. And I'm hearing podcasts now that are fiction, that are short plays, that are comedy, that are drama. We, we seem to be going back, swinging back to what radio was. Is that relate back to the theater of the mind idea that that still resonates with people? Yeah, I think it does. And I think people enjoy that. Uh, because it, you know, causes them to use their minds and their imagination. Everybody has an imagination. And uh, you can actively use it uh, through these podcasts and through radio. And it's, it's, it's very entertaining. What do you hope people will take away once this museum is, is up and running? What do you, what do you hope they're going to learn down here? I hope that they see the urgency of this moment, moment and uh, that it doesn't pass by. Uh, Some other places have had chances. For instance, Latrobe had a chance 
at the uh, Hall of Fame for football, and uh, they passed on it. And I hope that this opportunity doesn't pass us by, because I think uh, a lot will be lost. A voice that needs no introduction, uh, Bill Hilgrove, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be looking forward to this unveiling in a few minutes. You're welcome. And I kind of miss doing the regular thing on the Jazz Channel, but I certainly enjoy listening to it. Senator Jay Costa, uh, you represent this Forest Hills, uh, East Pittsburgh area. What is East Pittsburgh's significance in this history of broadcasting? It's really the significance of the Eastern region, whether it be Forest Hills and East Pittsburgh, the first communications by radio, uh, significant um, milestone here in our region and something that should be celebrated. We're here now, I think it's like 103 years now yes, today. Right. And I think it's important that we kick off uh, the next phase of our conversation with respect to the Radio Museum, and that's why we're here today. What has taken so long? I, I asked uh, Ron Klink this, I asked Bill Hillgrove this. What, what has taken so long to, because I know Rick Harris has been working on this for more than 20 years now. I first met Rick probably 20 years ago, and Alice Sapienzi Donnelly and some others who were part of the program. Uh, it's a good question. I think it's probably been... It's been resources that have been the sure. barrier to be able to do that. And working with Ron Klink and Mr. Hillgrove and so many others, and Rick, of course, we have identified opportunities to get resources to the project. Now working closely with RADC to be able to acquire this building and the like. So there's things that are in place right now that really weren't necessarily in place over the course of a number of years. So we're excited about this opportunity to partner with RIDC and so many others to be able to get resources to allow for destination place, a point where this becomes our radio museum going forward and it's in a great location. It's in the industrial center of, of our region, quite frankly, here in the you know, East Pittsburgh, the steel, former steel mills that have all been here. So much history in this whole Mon Valley, Turtle Creek Valley area. So we're excited about where we're going to be located at going forward. We've seen the commercial success of the RADC Keystone Commons, which is yep. across the street, which is the old Westinghouse plant. Yep. So it is filling up with light industry and commercial yep. and office tenants. What does this tourism, potentially this leisure aspect, bring to, to East Pittsburgh in terms of business development and in terms of uh, pe people spending money, making cash registers, right? There's no question when this facility is up and running, it'll be a destination point for people who come to Pittsburgh and Allegheny County to visit. Is that the piece that's kind of been missing? That's, that's what we've been missing. We really had no centralized location for people to want to come to. Yeah. At the end of the day, hopefully we have a number of the artifacts that have been collected over the years being displayed here, possibly putting the Cronenberg garage on the property as well to restore that, letting people know what it was like and what took place over 100-some years ago that something we take for granted today every day listening on the radio, whatever the case might be. So I do think it's going to be an economic generator for the region. There's a number of other things going on in RIDC and the Keystone Commons here. The growth of a company called EOS, for example, that's going the to bring battery technology. battery technology. There's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people. We're going to be maybe the only place in the country making these type of batteries. Several hundred people are going to be working here. The work that's being done here, it becomes a catalyst to just enhance what's being done here, which ultimately leads to things like restaurants and bars and, and places for people to go grocery stores. All that stuff then becomes part of this ecosystem here in the Spitsburg area along this boulevard. Yeah, the other two things I was thinking of, and I know you're on the Commonwealth level, and these are sort of county level projects, would be there's discussion of extending the bike trail up through this yeah. East Pittsburgh Turtle Creek Valley, which will go yeah. almost past the door here where we're standing, and also the extension of, of the East Busway. It seems like a lot of things are happening for the Turtle Creek Valley all of a sudden. There could be a lot of things happening here. The trail you talked about and the busway are certainly two things that would, would be part of that conversation, but just make 
making investments, when you have the opportunity to draw resources from the state and direct them into projects like this, uh, that's something that I find very rewarding, and that's why I've been able to be involved. But for many, many years, we've been working on this um, radio museum, and I just feel good that we're going to be able to finally bring it to fruition. This does feel like you said, this does feel closer. We're actually inside a building. This feels a lot closer than for the last 20 years. And, uh, it's much closer than we've ever been, and today's, today's a great day to kick off and remember where we came from um, and what started here and what you know, was done with KDKA and the like. So we're just excited that this is part of it and looking forward to not only today, but more importantly, as we go forward and as, we, as this building comes, fills up with artifacts and fills up with activities and fills up with programs and visitors and the like. That's what we're really excited about. Senator Jay Costa, thank you so much for taking a minute to talk to us. We are in East Pittsburgh Borough today with the organizers of the National Museum of Broadcasting. After nearly 30 years, they hope they finally have a permanent location for that museum. We'll be back to wrap things up in a moment. Support for this broadcast comes from the City of McKeesport Fair Housing Office. Fair housing is your right, and the Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination in housing because of race, color, national origin, religion, sex, gender identity, sexual orientation, family status, or disability. That includes renting or buying a home, getting a mortgage, seeking housing assistance, or engaging in other housing-related activities. For more information about Fair Housing Act protections in the City of McKeesport, Call 412-675-5020, extension 635. The man without whom I think this vision would not have remained alive uh, is Rick Harris. Rick, this has been a long time coming. Oh, very much so. We started this back in the 1980s with the Wilkinsburg Centennial. The whole project kind of grew out of that into a vision of uh, preserving Frank Conrad's garage and ultimately having it serve as a centerpiece of a National Museum of Broadcasting. Now, now Frank Conrad was was who? He was a Westinghouse engineer, and, and why is he so significant in, in this story of broadcasting? Well, he, he was a seventh-grade educated, self-taught engineer who worked his way up through the ranks at Westinghouse and became their effectively their chief engineer. But uh, it was his work in his backyard garage in the days after the end of World War I that laid the foundation that ultimately led to radio broadcasting in the form of KDKA 103 years ago today. Uh, but uh, by uh, the ev evolution of all of the technology that has come since then, uh, the, the smartphone that we all carry today in, in many ways is a descendant of the work of Frank Conrad and those other early pioneers. Now, the building that we're in is across the street from, from Keystone Commons, which we've already mentioned was the former Westinghouse Electric. It's where the original KDKA transmitter and, and studio was on the roof of, of one of those buildings. Uh, this building was, was a bank building. It was a Mellon Bank building, and then it was a, an office building for a while. What is the vision for, for this property, that, that the museum would be located in this building? Uh, right. We're, we're looking at uh, trying to raise the funds First, uh, to uh, do uh, the necessary uh, pre-planning work uh, to develop a business plan and to get drawings and architectural uh, renderings made and things like that. And then once we're, once we're done with that, we want to go forward with a large, in the millions of dollars, uh, fundraising plan. But we think this building will serve as a great uh, nucleus for all of this being so close to the original history. And there is room for expansion here. 
and there's parking and it's it's close to a highway. How can people help if, if they hear this and they're excited about this? Uh, how can they reach out to you, I guess, first of all, is the first question. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, the easiest way is to go to our website, www.nmbpit.org. And then there's more information about the project there. And uh, we have the ability to make donations uh, through there. And and uh, so we're really looking for the help of of, uh, of everyone in, in the Pittsburgh region, uh, individuals, foundations, corporations, anyone who has an interest in this and seeing uh, this become a, a major tourist destination for Pittsburgh, uh, we would welcome their help. What's your protected time frame? Well, how many years are you thinking in terms of the, the fundraising effort and then the, the build-out effort? I mean, we don't have a specific uh, idea. I think that's going to be determined by the business plan. Uh, to uh, some degree, this building needs to be brought up uh, to uh, uh, code and, and renovated uh, just as an initial start. And then it's going to be, I imagine, you know, a couple of years after that before we do that. And then down the road, uh, you know, further expansion, you know, well, well in the future. But this feels like a very solid first step. It feels like a first step of a long journey, perhaps, but, uh, but the first step. Exactly. Uh, I mean, we're very excited. We're so uh, thankful to Senator Jay Costa and the RIDC for working with us to hopefully make this effort a success. And uh, time will tell, but I think uh, we'll be back in a few months with an update and see where we're at. So that website again, NMB pit.org if people want it. And they can also make a donation through the website. Okay, Rick Harris, one of the founders, one of the guiding lights for the last more than 20 years. My name is Susie Barber, and I am on the board of the National Museum of Broadcasting. So, How did you come to get involved with this? It was, I actually had uh, run into Rick Harris, who uh, came to our neighborhood when we had a massive flea market for the whole neighborhood. Okay. And I was selling a couple of my old pieces of memorabilia. One of them was an old television set and Rick was there in my driveway trying to barter down the price tag on it <laughs> and then he realized who I was and I realized I'd heard of him before with this organization we started chatting that day uh, but it really all came together when it was the uh, 100th anniversary of broadcasting and they were doing a reenactment of course COVID got on the way but we still got involved and my Westinghouse Shore organization helped put on that event and so once I was there and I was part of that day they came to me and asked me to be join the board so it sort of happened organically I guess over time. I remember when this was first getting started or when it was first being proposed more than 20 years ago now does it finally seem like the moment has come uh, that, that we're finally that they're finally making some traction or some progress? I think we've had our hopes uh, brought up and then sure. disappointed a few times over the years where we thought we had a location and then things fell through and and of course many different people have been walking on these shoes before me that were on the board and that are no longer with us so we're we do feel like there's kind of a sense of uh, now we've got some new people on the board we're all fired up about it so I think we do feel like we're finally getting some traction yeah we, we, we heard a little bit about the lift that is going to have to be made I mean do we have a dollar amount that that is to, to get this open to the public for even on a small basis we think as a minimal amount just to do the renovations on this building, that's going to be close to a million dollars. Um, we certainly know that operating a museum, there's a, an overhead cost to that, obviously. 
uh, we're still working on the numbers for all that, but I know, for example, we're researching the rebuilding of the garage in today's dollars, just to yeah. kind of get an idea. So that project will probably stay on hold for a little while, but we do want to at least get this place open in some fashion, maybe as we have a few displays or a mini display set up, just to get some foot traffic in a hard hat type of area, if you know what I mean, just to sort of get the energy and the... Get some excitement and some enthusiasm. Exactly. To, to bring it to reality a little bit, just to kind of give them a glimpse of what we hope the future will hold. Now, the building is still owned by RIDC, and the, the, right now what the museum is trying to do is negotiate a lease, right, and raise the money for that. That's correct. We're in the process of doing that. Uh, we're very appreciative of Senator Costa for opening the door to that and, and getting that on track for us. And so now, yeah, it's all about the fundraising that we hope to do and helping the, the community gets behind us. And it's those small donors that are very important, obviously. I was just about to say, the small donors for sure through the website, is there the hope that there may be some corporate sponsorship as well? We still have a large corporate community in the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, we're absolutely uh, working with uh, uh, fundraising uh, uh, folks at this point, and yeah, we'll be going after those big corporate dollars as well. Is, is is there a deadline? Is there is there a day that we can hope that people will be able to to? We're here for the unveiling of the marker. Will there be a day for a ribbon cutting someday soon? Well, I don't think it will be soon, okay. but I think it will be sometime soon in the future. We, I think we're hoping in the three to five year okay. yeah, three to five. kind of realm, just to sort of uh, keep it realistic, but not, not too far out there. And the best way for people to find out more information is, is that website. Give us that website address one more time. nmbpit.org. Thank you very much, Susie Barber, and congratulations and good luck. And that's our report from East Pittsburgh Borough, recorded on location November 2nd, 2023. I'd like to thank the board members of the National Museum of Broadcasting for allowing us to record the event. You can learn more at nmbpit.org. And I'd like to thank you all for listening this week to Two Rivers 30 Minutes. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Thank you.